morphine. They had some fentanyl. They gave me oxycodone. And none of it was taking my pain away. Oh, yeah. My, my parents threw me in rehab at 14. There's going to be the days where you want to quit. And it feels like too much. Hello, my fellow Martians. My name is Harry Mars, and this is the On Mars Pod, where we take a deep dive into creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and other inspiring Martians alike. Today, we are joined by Alex DeGroote, an award-winning hash maker out of Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, fentanyl couldn't do that for you, but weed could? Jeez. So it was it a was massive, massive cannabis owner-driven law. Oh, for sure. I'll, I'll talk about weed all day long. <laughs> You'll miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Hello, my fellow Martians. Today on Mars, we are joined by an award-winning hash maker, a cannabis industry veteran, and a business owner out here in Arizona, Everybody welcome, Alex DeGroote. Thank you for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Harry. Of course, man. So on Mars, we profile uh, creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and other inspiring Martians alike. So that's why I wanted to have you on, man. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, definitely. So um, to kind of get started, I want to start kind of the early before getting into the cannabis industry, because you mm -hmm. own a cannabis uh, company out here. Uh, well, I mean, a cannabis oil company, uh, couple, <laughs> and um before you got into cannabis, did you have any other passions growing up, like uh, like in the arts, or were you into like? I mean, I know you were probably into cars. Yes, um, cars. Was that your your main passion before you got into cannabis? Uh, I mean, I, I was super passionate about sports, so I played you know soccer for nine years, football, baseball, lacrosse, basketball, kind of like you name it, I played it. Okay. For any given point of time, um, and. I ended up dropping out of high school freshman year, so that went out the window. Mm. Always loved cars, so I ended up going to a trade school, getting uh, my, uh, what's it called? Shit. I can't remember what it's called. It's been way too long, but I, like I, I was certified yeah. mechanic. Okay, um, yeah. I worked at a shop for a year and a half, two years, something like that, um, and it was great, but I ended up breaking my hip, um, I have scoliosis, so like standing all day, looking up with my hands above my head for 12 hours is just not, not going to be something I could sustain. So, yeah. um, had to move past that and cannabis has been in my life since I was 14. So, so it was always part of your life. It just wasn't, you weren't producing it or trying to make a company out of it and not necessarily until later on. No, I didn't even. I didn't even realize that was a possibility until I was like 18. Oh, wow. Because um, I, I wasn't like into like mainstream mm -hmm. cannabis, you know, like I thought searching anything related to cannabis on the internet was going to get me flagged yeah, or something, yeah, you know, yeah, like sure. it was Arizona, bro. Like, yeah, it's illegal as fuck here. We had a whole ass tank dedicated to the war on drugs, you know, <laughs> shout out Sheriff Joe Arpaio, yeah. you know, um, he, he was um, very heavy on going after marijuana and yeah. you know harmless crimes you know right um so and when where did you grow up in arizona kind of all over um mesa and chandler were like the main 
length. Okay, so still a Phoenix metro area. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All in Maricopa County. Nice. That's what's up, man. So, I mean, um, growing up in this, like, how did the, because uh, uh, when did it go uh, medicinal out here? Uh, 2010. It 2010. Got, it got voted in. We didn't get our first dispensary, I think, until like 2012. 2012. Did you get your, uh, your medical license right away? No, uh, I didn't get my uh, medical card until I got pulled over and <laughs> in trouble for weed. I was um classic what a few days after my 18th birthday my parents were super against weed so like mm. having my parents sign off on an underage med card just was not in the cards for me so it was all black market you know yeah started with the you know brick weed from mexico classic. you know uh, moving to you know like cushions and stuff like that chronics uh, and when they then, were just calling it that i mean no I f we were smoking good weed at that point cool for sure it wasn't like yeah, they were probably just calling it chronic, but like it was good though. Yeah, you know, it was good. You know? Yeah, man. Um, so that was uh, that was early on. So what year was that? What uh, what like what around that time? So I was fourteen in twenty ten. Oh, so, so right when it legalized. That's what's up. Yeah, Perfect right, time. right when I went <laughs> medical. But obviously, I wasn't medical. It was just when I started smoking in high school. Yeah. Um, um, and then I got my med card. When I turned 18, like a week after, because I got pulled over the day before I got my med card, it was bullshit. So mad. I was on task for like two years and, you know, it was, it was terrible. Fuck, they took so much money from me. It was and uh, task, that's, uh, that, uh, that's like an acronym, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know what it stands for, yeah. but it's a uh, drug testing for um, diversion instead of going to jail. Mm, yeah, it's uh, some bitch shit. Yeah, pretty much. They, <laughs> I got caught with. It was like less than a gram of wax and a oh. nectar collector. Oh, damn. A nectar collector? Yeah, it was that a nectar collector. Yeah, too. like <laughs> way back when, y'all. Um, <laughs> and they, they charged me with a narcotic dangerous drug because it's an altered substance. It's mm. not it's the original form of cannabis. It's mm. an, an extract. So yeah. um, they classify it as narcotic, unfortunately. So damn. Yeah, instead of like the the six months of task that I would have gotten if I had just had weed on me, I ended up getting a year, and then they ended up tacking on something for some reason. They had like a switch, um, in like the rules right when I started, so they ended up having a, a class that I ended up having to take mm. after I started it already that wasn't involved at the beginning. So um, it ended up adding like another six or twelve months to the whole bullshit that i had to keep paying too <laughs> yeah it was it was whack yeah arizona is just they're a zero tolerance state for anyone that doesn't know so they're they're not weed or alcohol they're yeah gonna, exactly come after you exactly man um so it's kind of interesting that you said like your parents were against it because oh, now yeah, you're my, a, my parents threw me in rehab at 14 oh wow for weed wow yeah it was pretty crazy because they caught you i mean they never really caught me i was pretty but, open about like what i did oh know? okay i so wasn't like you, a secretive kid okay my my parents couldn't really control me i was kind of an asshole kid too so <laughs> i was like, more rebellious than anything about like honesty with that but <laughs> oh, so what do they think now though now that you're actually making money off of it and like are they supportive um yeah for the most part i mean my mom's still skeptical she grew up in alabama you oh know? so yeah. you know the bible belt and yeah. that whole situation like devil's lettuce she like that was her life. My mom will drink, but she doesn't like drink to get fucked up or nothing. Right. You know what I mean? Very casual. Uh, yeah. She 
still to this day refuses to smoke, but she'll be around me when I'm smoking and That's all cool. that stuff. She has no issue with it. She'll get, she'll be like, it's that too much. What, what, what are you doing? Why, why are you smoking again? <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> yeah. She, she just doesn't understand the, the entirety of it all. Yeah. For um, sure. My dad was the same way, you know, they both refused to smoke it. Um, when I broke my hip, I was given like, uh, morphine, um, they had some fentanyl they gave me. They gave me fucking um, oxycodone, and none of it was taking my pain away. Jesus. Uh, I was sitting there in the, the hospital bed for two days before they could even give me a surgery. Um, so I had a broken hip, shit ton of pain, and like I'm sitting there, I'm like, I need cannabis. Someone give me some weed, something, a vape pen, an edible, whatever. You know, um, what was it? Uh, I think Olga okay. from the Good Dispensary ended up bringing me some um vape pins that they gave me and i took a hit and immediately was fine my dad was like whoa that's when he i just watched this happen yeah so that uh that changed his mind on the whole weed thing for sure so So, uh, he even uses it now it's weird oh hell yeah Yeah, like completely motivated him good it opened his mind yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like it starts with like a closed mind when mm-hmm. you have that, like, you know, stigma of like, oh, you can't do, like, you shouldn't do this. You like, you know, you shouldn't smoke or whatever. Yeah. That's all like closed mind activities. Um, so it's like when he saw that it affected you in that positive way, yeah. that was like a way for him to open his mind to it and be like open to trying it himself. Exactly. No, that's it's sick. like, oh, fentanyl couldn't do that for you, but weed could. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That's so. insane. Um, yeah, man, fucking you want I want to talk about the uh the car accident. That was what broke your hip, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I got in a car wreck. There was a bus stopped on the street. I was behind a it was a three-lane street. Was, my neighborhood was on the right like half a mile past where I crashed. Okay. So I was getting over from the middle lane, was behind a big box truck so I couldn't see what was ahead in the rain, the lane to the right. So when I got over, it was like immediately bus that was stopped. So that stopped me. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Dude. 45 to zero like that. So, oh my God, yeah. dude. Thankfully, yeah. for the most part, you know, the only injuries I really had was my hip. Yeah. It was broken, blew out the back lip. Um, yeah. So I got five screws and a plate. The screws run the entire length of my pelvis. Um, you and you still have those. Oh, yeah. I'm not getting them out. So they're meant to stay. Man, well, I mean, I'm glad that you're able to even walk. Same. Yeah. That's like, that would have been shitty. That's a paralyzing <laughs> car accident oh, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. So that's like you had something watching over you for sure. Uh, I'm lucky I didn't die. Yeah, man. Sure. Shoot, man. Well, I mean, that's like the power of cannabis right there when you're like an immense pain like that where it can literally change everything in just one one hit. Yeah. That's insane, man. No, it was, it was crazy because I've never even like I've smoked cannabis my whole life, but I've got scoliosis, you know, it helps alleviate pain, but it's never removed pain like totally. that. Like to go from immense pain to nothing, it was just crazy to me too. Yeah. Even being a user. So you started a company called Pack Gods, um, mm-hmm. and it was when you were growing in Oregon. Is that right? Or did you start it before you went to Oregon? No, I started it when I got back from Oregon. It was something that me and my buddy Keetrin, um like talked about for years and it was a clothing company that we wanted to turn into like entertainment and you know counterculture and stuff like that 
Um, okay. It just didn't end up working out. But yeah, mm-hmm. that was a, a clothing company that started with my buddy when we got back from Oregon. Okay. So he yeah. was out there in Oregon with you? Yeah. He ended up moving back to Arizona from Michigan to move out there with me. Nice. Um, it was like a two-step process that took forever with that. But yeah, it was cool. Like we, we both just kind of chased that dream. Okay. Yeah, it was cool. So you, when you were growing in Oregon, that was just kind of like as a separate company. Do you have a company name for that, or did you just kind of do it as? So like... I grew for someone else. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I the, see. I turned twenty-one on my twenty-first birthday. I had my U-Haul packed, drove straight to Oregon. We, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she had moved to Oregon like three months prior. Mm. Found all of us jobs at this grow Damn. grow dispensary um, kind of situation. Me and her ended up managing two uh, the, the two dispensaries that the dude owned, and then I was one of three growers at an acre and a half indoor outdoor greenhouse kind of situation. So we had mm. like four hundred like big mothers and like fifty gallon pots. Excuse me, <coughs> um, that were all outside. Instead of killing them, we were like, "Oh fuck it, let's just flower them out." You know, they're big. Why not see what we can get? Um, and then we had five greenhouses that I was a part of building um, that had 7,500 plants that we cared for. Um, And that was full term, full season. So it went from spring to uh, like end of October is when we ended up harvesting just because the weather didn't get super um, wet. There was fires, so we lost a little bit of sun. So we wanted to let them go a little bit longer Mm -hmm. while we could. Um, What else? And then we had like a... 5,000 square foot barn down the hill that we had all of our uh, like veg plants in that we were prepping for the next season. And then uh, an eight car garage that was like our nursery where we were doing all of our cuts, cloning, stuff like that. So that whole process, it's um, it's obviously pretty in depth. Um, did you already have the knowledge uh, at the level that- Fuck no. <laughs> so you were learning on the I job. Was, I was learning yeah. on the job, yeah. That's no, I, got, I got paid $11 an hour at 21 to break my fucking back. <laughs> but it was well worth it because it, sure. it gave me the experience and yep. the knowledge needed to kind of elevate my career and go where I wanted it to go. Yeah, that exactly. And I was going to touch on that where it's just like the trade-off being that like you're getting all this experience so that way you know so much more on the back end of the flower itself mm-hmm. that now you can translate straight into your own company out here. Yeah, um, I, I grew under one of the most respected growers out in Oregon at the time. It was a dude that ran Da Vinci's Garden. Um, I don't, if you're from Oregon, you probably have heard of him on the medical market at some point in time. Um, so it was well worth the trade-off. Yeah, man. So um, when you were in Oregon, were they dabbling in uh, oils and extracts? Oh, absolutely, bro. Uh, Oregon's I mean, five they, years, 10 years ahead. That was uh, Colorado, Oregon, and um, Washington. Yep. Were they all legal at the time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because um, they went recreational first. When I moved out to Oregon, it was, I think, 2017 or 2018. Yeah. Somewhere around that time frame. And uh, it was the last year that they had like free market so you could just pay 2500 bucks and get a license wow yeah so oregon got flooded um if you've paid attention to their market at all they ended up going down like five dollar eights and stuff like because it, of the it was amount just of a, people. A, abundance of oh weed. <laughs> like, I don't know they what could, to do with yeah, this. yeah they couldn't sell it all it was all going stale it was all getting dry like so they were just essentially trapping out for free yo uh, unfortunate <laughs> did a lot you of ever... people lost their their livelihood in that 
that year. God damn, dude. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's sad because when they go over there, they go over there in hopes to create like a successful business. Exactly. And then Oregon's just, a small state, dude. Like, yeah, they had fucking something like four thousand grows and like. I think there's like four million people in Oregon or something. Like there's yeah. no one in Oregon. There's it's a small state. So yeah. who's smoking all that fucking weed? <laughs> <laughs> you know? You got Cali below, who's already like the black mark leaker. Yeah. You know, so there's an abundance of weed down there. Washington's legal. And then you could you got Idaho, I guess. Like who's in Idaho? Who's in fucking uh where's right there? Mississippi no Missouri? No. Montana. Be, yeah. The other M. <laughs> you got Montana and you got fucking Idaho and there's no one there. It's all farmland. So all potatoes. Who's man. smoking all that weed? You know what I mean? So For sure. yeah, a lot of people lost their livelihoods. They spent, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, depending on how big their operation was to shit the bed, essentially. Yeah, just throw it all down the tubes. Yeah, it's shitty. Start over, yeah. Um this is, uh, I guess, kind of a funny analogy, but I guess not appropriate. <laughs> the, uh, have you ever watched uh, SpongeBob with the uh, Pretty Patties, bro? Did you ever see that episode? Probably. So I, was, uh, I think I've seen them all. There's an episode where SpongeBob makes these colored Krabby Patties, and it's like multicolored Krabby Patties, and people just start buying them from him directly because he starts selling them in front of his house. Okay. And he has like a line that goes like all the way through the city to the Krusty Krab, basically. <laughs> and then there's like a news reporter at SpongeBob's Poaching. house. And uh, it's like, so like, what do you like make of all this? Like, da, 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 like, uh, and he's like, well, at first, you know, like we didn't know what to do with uh, like all the money that we're making. So we started burying it, burning it, now we just started giving it away. And how can you not make money with such a brilliant idea? Ah, at first, we didn't know what to do with all the money. We tried burying it, <laughs> shredding it, and burning it. <laughs> but in the end, we decided to just give it all away. Come again, sir. I'm getting back in line. <laughs> it's like, that's like the weed. It's like, it just started. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. I, I've definitely burned a few plants. <laughs> it is what it is, man. It is what it is. I gotta take the L sometimes, man. Yes, <laughs> um, so, Oregon was into oils. Uh, so, d is that how you learned how to make uh, oils, or were no, they, did you I just learned, see? I learned oils, I think, back like 2012, 2013, when. We were all smoking, you know, fucking black tar, fucking shatter. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> gross ass. Red fucking, hot nails. Yeah, red shit. hot tie nails. You know, if it wasn't red hot, you weren't smoking correctly, you know, and doing, you were actually incorrectly smoking. It, yeah. it was all bad. For the record, yeah, you were incorrectly smoking. You were burning your yeah, capillaries in your lungs. Yeah, you're, you were fucking yourself up more than anything. So, yeah. um, no, back then, and we were smoking that. And then that was like, my introduction to oils was like shatter okay but to the solventless realm back in 2012 2013 we uh took some flower rosin tech from california some guys started taking their girlfriend's fucking hair straightener ah, and we were smashing full nugs in between the two you heat know plates, heat yeah. plates on the hair straighteners and making rosin and that was way better than black shatter Dude. So yeah. that, that was like a huge wake up to like what you could really do with really good stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's what started my introduction to solventless. I ended up 
when I moved back from Oregon, I bought two presses when I was working at the Good Dispensary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just started going around trying to find the best weed in Arizona. I was buying from Trumad and Ponderosa and... Um, yeah, that was like the main two people I was getting at the weed time, from, yeah. from that right. time. They were really good. Um, small batch boutique, you know, super fire genetics, um, good cures on them. So it didn't like smell like hay, didn't taste like shit. Um, and started squishing that and just playing around. You know, I went from smoking shatter to smoking that almost exclusively. And that was cool. I did that for like two or three years. And then um, like freeze dryers became a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and people started using that to dry their hash before you would have to have like a fucking 300 square foot room with a bunch of racks if you wanted to do anything like on a semi-large level. And you were coating the racks with fucking like pizza boxes. And then you were drying the hash on the pizza boxes. And it's not sanitary or anything like that. So when people stopped doing that, freeze dryers came along. I got into doing like solventless hash rosin and... Um, ice water hash and stuff like that via the freeze dryer this was before you officially started the company though this was when you were kind of just no no i went straight from flower rosin to hash rosin when i started the company so solventless refinery started back in back in like 2014 i I guess the concept the concept of yeah i mean well you know you started making uh hash rosin uh, I made it flour rosin. Flour rosin. Sorry. Flour rosin. Yeah. Flour squish rosin, and nugs. Yeah. So squish and nugs. Because yeah. I, I remember when that happened, when um, when that started to like come out. Because I was, uh, I, I mean, I never really dabbled in dabs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, early on. But when I moved out here, it was 2014. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back home for like the first or second time, um, I met up with a couple homies and they were all on the wax in yeah. Michigan. Um, you know, they were already ahead. crazy nowadays. They were, they were ahead of the, the curve back then. Um, and like, I was not in the scene. So they were like really showing me some shit when I went out there. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was just like, damn, like this is kind of crazy. And then I remember like, you know, the red hot nails and like yep. people going crazy with it and like, you know, the bangers and the e-nails and all that stuff. And, uh, but then I remember one time, uh, I had, uh, a homie that I went over to his house and, he was like, um, yeah, I started doing this thing where I use my mom's hair straightener <laughs> and wax Hell paper yeah. and I just like squeeze the nugs and then you could just kind of like use a little razor blade and scrape off the edges or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, dude, what? Yeah. And then- um, I feel like that was the first like string of independence for a cannabis user. For sure. Like you weren't growing your own flower, but now you could make your own oil. Yeah, it was like, like you would huge get step. That's so cool. little though for like, like oh yeah yeah I, mean, I remember that was like that's just normal for wax in general I yeah mean, usually I think like a good yield return we're getting like three percent oh wow on a total yield so think about that and let that sit for a second yeah well let's <laughs> kind of put some numbers to that so like to get one gram it's of, usually about an eighth if you're doing like a BHO extraction on general basis yeah okay so BHO butane hash oil mm-hmm. okay and BHO, I feel like that was a term that was thrown around in those early shatter kind of crappy yeah. wax days. Yeah. Um, is it is that is that because they were doing it wrong? And, and is that why it was crappy? Because no, it was just BHO, shitty weed. Everyone was scared to take their good weed and make anything with it. There was a few companies that were doing Nug Run. Oh. If you remember Nug Run, that was like a huge craze for a little bit. Yeah. It was because people stopped blasting trim from last year's harvest. Right. And they started blasting fresh stuff full Nug. 
And when you say blasting, that's like mm-hmm. running it through the yeah, butane hash doing the, process. Doing the solvent-based extraction. Solvent-based extraction. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not necessarily that they were doing the process wrong. It's just the product that they started with yeah. was bad. Yeah, fire in, fire out. That's like the, the main saying that people need to ingrill in their heads. It's, if it's not good to start, it's not going to be good at the end. Yeah. It just is the truth to it. You know, there's people that are polishing turds and make it look good, but you smoke it and it's not good. It yeah. doesn't taste good. It doesn't feel good. The high is different. You know, it might give you a headache. They remove right. stuff to make it look good. So they're polishing a turd instead of, hey, let's just, you know, start the right way from the get go. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's interesting because people don't know because of the fact that it's going through all this process, the solvent, like refining, pro- like the solvent extraction process. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know that, like what kind of flour went into it. They don't know how old it is. They don't know if it's moldy or not. They don't know anything about this yeah, flour. And that's a huge thing with butane too, is people were like taking their failed harvest. They might be running nugs, but it was coated in mold. And you can take moldy product in a solvent based extraction. And you can remove all of that contamination and you're left with just the oil. But it's it's still like, do you want to be smoking something that was remediated? Like, do you want to eat food that was processed or do you want to eat food that's not processed? You know, which one are you going to? Yeah, for sure. It's the same kind of concept on a different level. Yeah. And I think the people that were smoking, you know, like shitty concentrates like that they just they didn't really care they were no probably just a lot more of people so like the the money you know yeah, what i'm saying if yeah. it was ten dollars a gram yeah give me it you know what i mean like i remember when we were when we were both working at the good dispensary and there was uh like sometimes grams of uh i don't want to say their name but there was grams that would go for like 15 dollars a gram for shatter mm. and it was just like i always thought that was so like no they were as cheap as like five dollars at some days so. <laughs> like it was insane i don't know Jesus Christ. And I actually know the owner of the company. I know who you're referring to. And if you look at their numbers, bro, they lose like 25 cents a gram. Like they're not making money. It doesn't make any fucking sense. But because they're publicly funded, you know, they're on the stock market. They can kind of skew the people's vision and go, oh, look at all the numbers we're doing. Not don't pay attention to the stuff we're losing. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's crazy, bro. Cannabis is a fucking just go 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 doesn't matter kind of like who you fuck over what you do kind of thing it's shitty wild wild west out yeah, here absolutely bro. jesus christ no that's uh that's sad man because i feel like um nowadays people like uh, are a lot more health conscious um i feel like um just not they necessarily to be yeah. well yeah like not necessarily just in cannabis but like in the world mm-hmm. i feel like in general yeah, generally speaking nowadays people are, of information yeah exactly so people know what's good for them they know how to take care of themselves better they know mm-hmm. what not to eat they know what to try to like incorporate into their diet they're drinking more water you know things like that yep. so it's just like when it comes to like smoking mm-hmm. inhaling things yeah you should have that same type of, uh, you know, like, um, I guess, uh, restriction on yourself. Like you, you shouldn't let yourself smoke bad shit. You know what no, I mean? absolutely. I mean, yeah. if you really want to put it in perspective, cannabis has more strict testing than any food you consume. Wow. Like, cannabis is super duper regulated. Like, obviously, on the legal market, not the black market. Right. Um, so keep that in mind you know the black market no one's doing testing if they are who knows if it's even actually test results that like match the product you get yeah it's, it's a guess game um 
when you're legal, everything's tracked seed to sale, so they can match a number to a batch. And, it's all public information too, uh, or is it private? Arizona is forcing it to be public information, um, I think by November. Okay. They put in a rule, um, AZDHS just released a rule where they're going to be forcing us to have, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like, I'm not saying they're forcing me or anything. Right, right. Don't take it like that. I'm just <laughs> how I'm talking. But, totally. Um, it's but, just required by Yeah, companies. it's required. Yeah, now, yeah. Um, instead of optional. Yeah. You know, I post all my test results on my packaging and, you know, I'll share my test results on my story on a regular basis. Like, I'm super transparent with what we do in, <laughs> in our lab. But, um, yeah, so... They're going to force us to essentially have all the test results on the packaging with the QR code that leads back to a website where you can view all of our um, test results. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like we have to have that for a year, year worth of information, okay. test results from that date forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I that, think that's, that's a great thing. No, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. Sure. I think that yeah. the transparency, Arizona has been super non-transparent. Like we didn't even have a testing law until like three or four years ago or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So that's even a new thing, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just been kind of do whatever you want. And Arizona, you can't lose your license. You can get fined. And the max they can fine you is 20 grand. So if you do something that's detrimental at like a $100,000 scale, well, you only have to pay it. $20,000 fine. Wow. So Arizona's crazy, man. They're like, oh, you know, those numbers make sense for me. Whatever, we'll pay the fucking fine. Keep doing what we're doing. So yeah. they can't take your license away. You know, that's interesting. It's like, um, and something I want to talk about, um, like kind of bring back to the point where how you're so transparent with your numbers. Mm -hmm. I feel like the people that aren't are the ones that you need to be, you know, kind of skeptical about that oh, don't want to share their test results. Well, even then there's, there's people like I've caught companies and I know people that have caught companies where they're sharing test results that weren't real. So if you're looking at a test result, there's a QR code on that test result that'll link you to a confident cannabis or a, there's another program that all of uh, the test results for whatever lab you're going through mm -hmm. is like posted. So you can scan that QR code. It'll take you to the entire spread of the test results and you can view those test results via third party, not via whatever company sharing it to you. Right. And you can view the real ones. Sometimes people will Photoshop the numbers on their stuff, but they'll leave the QR code and you can catch people lying about test results that way. That's very illegal. Oh, it's illegal as shit. But again, if I only have to pay a $20,000 fine, but I make a million dollars, is it worth it? Right. And that's that's kind of the, the shitty mentality that a lot of these multi-state operators are coming with. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, the fine's worth the, the squeeze. For sure. And I mean, to kind of talk about the Arizona cannabis industry and how it is so wild, like um, it set a record in the United States um, uh, Arizona recreationally legalized in November of 2020 and then went the first sale recreationally was in January of 2021, make, marking it like mm -hmm. the fastest from legalization to like actual incorporation into like the yeah. recreational market in history. Yeah. No, it was wild. It was uh, lobbied super heavily by Cure Leaf, Copper State, um, which is also Soul Flower, um, and uh, Cure Leaf. And harvest so they were because they were they, they were, were working on it so that way when it does get pushed it's like as soon as we can like they were they trying wrote to... the law oh so the uh, at the time the owner of harvest uh what's his name steve white um he put like i think it was two or eight million dollars somewhere in that range into lobbying just for the laws 
He also put together the committee that wrote the laws. Jeez. He also paid for the PR companies that pushed the laws. Um, so it was it was massive, massive cannabis owner driven law. Yeah, that was written in their favor so that they could monopolize the licenses in Arizona. Right, they can control what they have to do. You know, who's telling them what to do because they wrote the law. Right, you know. They're going to leave stuff out that you shouldn't leave out, you know, obviously just to benefit them. So, yeah, Arizona was super wild with going wreck. I voted no. I I petitioned people to vote no. Yeah. Know? It wasn't a law that was for the people. Um, you get more protection as a medical card holder than you do as a recreational holder. Um, a lot of the law that was written leaves a lot of gray area for, mm. like, home growers you're only allowed to possess an ounce of flour. There's nowhere in the law that it says, you know, if you grow this, you can keep your entire harvest, you know. You can grow 12 plants. But I can get fucking, you know, four or five pounds off 12 plants. Right. You know. So it, it's... That is interesting. Yeah. It wasn't written in the people's favor. It was written in the yeah. dispensary's favor, yeah, unfortunately. I remember because that, that was Prop 207. And that mm -hmm. was, um, it was being sold as legalized weed. Like that's what it was being sold as. Legalize weed, get people out of jail. Yeah, and it was like when you actually grow your own plants. Because at the time, um, I was still working at the Good Dispensary at that point, and so it was it was a very heavy topic because there was a lot of research. And um, you remember Jeremy? Mm -hmm. um, he was always one to like learn everything and always research. So he was one that was like, "Fuck that law, that shit sucks." It was sixteen pages. Like you can go look yeah, it up it, right we now. Would it was we would bullshit. read it. We would read it. At, it was like, absolutely in bullshit. the store. We would read it like and like start like looking at things like, "Oh my god, like this, like what the." Yeah. Like we were actually like kind of surprised at some of the things that were in that proposition. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it was marketed in a way where people they voted for it without, without knowing what they were really voting for. Yeah. And, and you, I think you that's can the look problem. up all the money that Cure Leaf Harvest and Copper State spent getting that bill lobbied. Yeah. It's insane. Like it's 10 million plus. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a game for them. And, in a way, um, would you say that that, I guess, like, uh, how did, how did when it went recreational so fast because of these guys that mm -hmm. came in and, you know, tried to make this happen so fast, how did that change the industry, um, like, you know, in was, the industry? It like, was a, a quantity squeeze. No, yeah. one, no one had the product to supply the demand. Prices rose. Um, there was dispensaries such as Harvest and Cure Leaf where we're buying a year's worth of supply just so no one else could get it, wow. you know, trying to squeeze the market. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was insane. Yeah. Cause I remember, man, it was like, cause we, when it passed, we're like, all right, cool. Like, you know, it's going to happen. We're ready for it. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, it's happening in January. Cause I think I remember it was like supposed to happen in like April of 2021. They were some, there was like word where it was just like, it wasn't supposed to happen in January. Like it no, wasn't. It was. I, I feel there, like there was, was the, so they the way that they had the law written, the way that they had the law written was there was different um, sections that we had to hit over different periods of time. Okay. Yeah. So sales started first of the year because it was a voted in law um, that always starts the new year, um, unless stated differently in the actual wording of the law. Mm. Um, like an immediate action will be an immediate action. Um, and that was part of their plan. And that was part of their plan. Um, so, yeah, no, they they didn't have the the product 
to even sustain anything. And now they went through, they've built out, there's this year alone, there was over a million square feet worth of canopy that was brought online. So like, I don't know if like in a four by four area under one light, you can get, you know, two to three pounds if you're a really good grower, you know, Mm -hmm. think of that times like a million. You know, who's smoking all of this? So you, you've probably noticed in the dispensary, if you go to the dispensary, prices are dropping. There's BOGOs daily. Mm-hmm. Um, people are struggling to keep their operations online because there's an abundance of weed. Again, this is kind of like what I watched through Oregon too. It was like, you can't overgrow your population. It just doesn't work. Yeah. So when you saw that happening over here, it was almost just like, a, I've seen this before. Like, oh, absolutely. I, I called it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely called it. And, uh, it unfortunately it came true yeah man i mean so because you were were you operating at that point as solventless um, um, when it went recreational no i think i started eight months after rec hit okay yeah so solventless will be uh two years old in november nice dude so you ended up getting a license with like you partnered with someone with yeah. a license yeah so um I've gone through eight different licensing deals before we even got to shelves. Um, wow. Different stories, different partnerships, different deals that fell through, different deals that were just shady to begin with. Um, like and, independent owners? Um, yeah. We, I mean, we worked with dispensary owners. Um, I was a part of a um, a grow that we were building down in Gasset Grand that ended up failing. Um, that was a different deal. I had, you know, three four different buildings that i went through um five different buildings that i went through yeah so it it was just like it's a process man there's a lot of people that just want to take your money yeah and then like kick you out or try to keep your equipment or that just like do shady business so um yeah no we went through eight eight or nine licenses before we were actually on shelves and I've been with Nirvana now for the t- the whole two years. It's been a good experience. Been. Yeah. I mean, I've had to move buildings. I'll be on my third move in like a month or two Okay, because they're expanding their dispensary. So they're kicking me out of their dispensary to a different building, but um, still with them. Um, but yeah, no, they, they've been really easy to work with. And which is weird because a lot of people have horror stories working with Nirvana, Not funny yeah. enough, but I've got good relationships with a lot of people there. So yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, maybe it's just because like you're like on a working relationship with them versus like the people that are just like on like a sales base, like customers. Are you saying like customers don't have good experiences or like no, people no, in the uh, industry? No, that- so they, they have a few buildings that they like just specifically rent out space for manufacturing and kitchens. So mm-hmm. if you have like a, a want to be in the industry, you can lease space in their licensed building, which then in turn makes you licensed. Mm. Obviously it's going to be for a premium. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, they, they do that. So they have, they've had a f- quite a few companies that have come and gone under their licenses that way. Yeah. It's cool that like, um, that you've been able to like get it, like build a good relationship with them. Like even though other people might not have like a good relationship or thought about Nirvana, it's just like, well, I don't get what you guys think. Like they treat me well. So yeah, yeah no, 100%. <laughs> like, I've got no with them at all. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, shout out our friends at Nirvana. Center. Yes, <laughs> so, um, you know, we're talking a lot about cannabis concentrates and um, things like that in the industry, but what are the benefits of concentrates over flower in your opinion? Well, it depends on what kind of concentrate you're talking about. So if you go to my specialty, which is a solventless extract, there's going to be 
no solvent residuals. Um, a BHO extraction or a solvent-based extraction, they're going to use chemicals, solvents to essentially dissolve the trichome head, um, extract the fats, oils, lipids, flavonoids, terpenoids, um, and cannabinoids from that trichome head and the solvent that'll then run, get collected. They'll try to remove as much solvent as they possibly can on the uh, initial draw, and then they'll go throw it in a, a, a vacuum oven where they're going to essentially warm the product to then in turn make the solvent evaporate. That vacuum will pull the solvent out, and they get a lot of it, most of it, for sure, but there's always going to be some sort of residual. Right. Um, you just It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be on the billionth scale, but it is there. Yeah. Um, versus mine is just ice water heat and pressure from the original extraction. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no chemicals. There's no um, remediating product. So like we were talking earlier where you can take a, a BHO extract and you can start with moldy material and get a, a non-moldy ending material. You can't do that with a solventless extraction. Right. Um, there's no chemicals to remediate with. Right. Nothing, nothing's going to kill that mold, you so know. It so it's going it's, it's to end, end mold. Yeah. So there's a requirement with my extraction where you have to start with a good material. Otherwise, it's going to show in that final product. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, you're also going to be essentially having a healthier product. You know, obviously, you're not supposed to inhale things. Of course. But you're going to have a healthier product than a solvent-based extract because right. there's no residuals. Um my extraction also doesn't remove some of the lipids and fats and terpenes and flavonoids and uh, cannabinoids like a solvent-based extraction will. Um, they run it through really, really, really fine um, filters when they're um, recovering their gases. And when they do that, there's some cannabinoids, flavonoids, fats, whatever, that don't go through that filter or whatever. Um, so they actually remove some of the actual plant. Um, beneficials mm. from their extracts so you can usually ta- taste a difference yeah um, between the same batch extracted but two different ways right um, yeah so I mean um, so I guess uh, like as like a overhead view though comparing like solvent versus flour yes exactly yeah. solvent so solventless versus flour if you're gonna go oil? We'll, we'll just go straight to solventless because i think that's the, the future yeah. that's a better way yeah um and the way that you guys should start smoking if you don't now um you're removing plant matter so when you have plant matter it's got no purpose all that greenery all the purple all that all that shit that's not shiny and white mm-hmm. that's all essentially contamination in my eyes okay. um, it's carcinogenic um it produces 20 times more tar than tobacco does so when you smoke it so when you're smoking it you're getting more tar in your lungs right um you're combusting okay combusting's not good so you're inhaling smoke right you're inhaling the carcinogens um when you have a solvent based or solventless extraction um you're vaporizing so you're not Mm. combusting anything you're not smoking carcinogens i mean there's not nearly as many right not even close yeah um and then you're not having that tar build up interesting and i think that's huge because over time that's what builds up and oh definitely um, i notice a, a major difference in lung function really yeah absolutely so if like i, I almost exclusively smoke hash rosin 
Okay. Um, you know, if I'm out and about and I'm with friends and they have some really good weed or like a donut or something rolled up, I'll smoke it. Mm-hmm. But I'll notice a difference in my lungs. It'll be tighter. It'll be harder to breathe. It'll be shorter breaths. Right. When I get to smoking hash rods and I don't get any of that. Yeah. That's interesting that um, like people, people don't like to think about those types of things, but I think it's very important that you do absolutely uh, because it's like, it's, it's your real. body, like it's your, it's your lungs. It's, you only get real. one set for sure. And it's like, you don't go sniffing, you know, fucking gasoline because it's not good for your lungs. You should think of that in the same aspect of you're consuming things, man. For sure. Yeah. And it's like people that smoke blunts every day, you know, it's like um, it, it catches up. Oh, absolutely. For sure. And it's like um, something like when you're smoking good oils and you're doing it like not necessarily like overdoing it if you're doing it on like a good you know just uh, casual basis like that i think that's the healthier alternative way uh to do things absolutely um so to kind of like uh go into what you were saying before the solvent versus the solvent list mm-hmm. um i guess like what types of like solvent lists uh, um, extraction are there? Is it just like the rosin press? Is there no, like so you, what? Uh, there's actually quite a few. You got, you know, your obvious keef, that'll be a dry sift. Okay. You've got your dry sift hash. So they have um, really fine screens that are uh, defined by lines per inch. Okay. And each line per inch gets smaller over time. So they create a micron size. Micron size is a unit of measurement. And essentially, they're going to be removing contamination, plant matter, stock, stuff like that, just to get the the trichome head um, on a um, like a small molecular level, essentially. Right. So, so that's like when it's like the so that's when it's like different types of micron bags. Is that what that? Well, means so or it's it's screens. So think screens. of like screens on your window. Yeah. Essentially, the same thing laid down, um, but they have different sizes um, of like the grid. Okay. So think of like the difference between like a, a chicken wire fence and like a chain link fence. You know, you have the two different sizes of holes. Mm-hmm. It's like that, but they just get gradually smaller and obviously nowhere near as large. We're trying to get trichome heads, not yeah. <laughs> people's fists, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like millimeters difference between the absolutely. different micron levels. E- even smaller than that. Like micron's much smaller than micron. Micron. <laughs> micron. Is a micron a unit of like measurement? It's like a, a unit of measurement. Yeah. So, oh wow. So yeah. It's so it's like... it's smaller than nanometer, or no, it's it's bigger than nanometer, but smaller than millimeter. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> That's like microscopic level. That's insane, dude. Yeah, it can uh, be. Yeah. yeah. Like, like uh, the smallest that I extract is twenty-five micron. Okay. And uh, I'll press it through a fifteen micron bag. Mm. Um, when you're getting into BHO, they even get to smaller microns. So they don't use mesh screens. They use stainless steel discs with milled holes um, in different diameters. And those milled holes, I think, are like around anywhere from 0.5 of a micron to 2 microns for BHO. Damn. And that's solvent. Solvent. Solvent Solvent Solvent-based. Yes, solvent-based. So I guess let's talk about that a little bit because solvent-based is very dangerous if you do it wrong. Oh yeah, you can blow yourself up. Uh, yeah, like yeah, you're working for with sure. Highly flammable gases and high pressure vessels. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it, talk about the difference between an open loop system versus a closed loop system when making solvent based extractions. Oh, open loop systems you do not use anymore. Well, that, like, that was when people were taking fucking cans of butane from the smoke shop and they were blasting it through a tube. That's open loop. There's no 
um, recovery of gases. So it's essentially just off-gassing into the air, into the atmosphere. So um, with a closed-loop system, everything from start to finish is one big loop. It's a closed loop. Yeah. Think of like a NASCAR track. It goes from start to finish all in the same line. And it's all contained. It's all contained. Yeah. Um, so there's no uh, escape gases. Um, they recover like 98% or something like that of all of the solvent gases before mm. they even ex- um, like release the product to go into the vacuum oven. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's much safer that way. Um, but it's still dangerous if you don't tighten down a nozzle properly or there's a failed seal somewhere or something like that. Yeah, you can definitely blow yourself up. Like a lot of, like in a commercial setting, they're working in um, C1D1s, which is a essentially a bomb-proof shelter that has no um, spark materials, so no electrical that runs inside of it. They have massive off-gassing vents, um, so if you end up having a leak, it'll detect that leak. Turn on a fan that essentially replaces the air in like a two-second time frame. Oh wow from outside to inside and vice versa. So they can remove that gases so that doesn't have a chance to explode. But all of the like outlets you put um, like your wires through the wall, through a few different, um, I don't know, like rubber flaps, I want to call them. They're probably not called that obviously, but <laughs> <laughs> essentially they're, they're uh, barriers um, from the electrical and then you plug it in on the outside of the booth. So there's nothing inside that could spark and create an explosion unless like, you know, you dropped a tool and hit metal and created a spark or something like that. So they try to be really, really safe. The, the city of Phoenix works with a few of the C1D1 extraction companies that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're super strict on all of that stuff. For sure. So really it's like... Uh open loop system is only like back when we were talking, like when people were, like you're saying, blasting their own stuff in their backyard, you know, like trying to, you know, just make wax. Don't don't do that. No, you can, you can buy a clothes. Like if you're going to be an idiot and you want (laughs) to, you want to do a butane or a a solvent based extraction at home, like spend a thousand dollars. There's used ones for like $500 out there nowadays. Like you can get like a quarter pound tube. Yeah. Closed loop system for pretty cheap. Like, don't risk your life, please. For sure. For <laughs> sure. I mean, there's a reason why they take all those precautions yep. in the commercial level to like blast proof these rooms exactly. because it's just so like it's just not you safe. You could literally like, die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, if you if you really want to do like extraction, solventless extraction is super easy. Like in the the aspect that I'm just using ice water, heat and pressure and you know, micron specific screens to do my extraction process. Yeah. That doesn't mean that like it's easy to produce a good product, but the process itself is really easy. Like if you want to get into extraction, you know, flower rosin's the easiest. Start squishing nugs yeah. between your, your girlfriend's fucking <laughs> air straightener. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, you can you can buy was it the nug smashers? I think they're like oh, three yeah. or four hundred bucks, you know? Like Classic. It, it's not not super expensive to to get started if you want to do it safely. Yeah, do it the right way. Yeah, absolutely. So the 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 processes you're talking about with the ice baths, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I see you do that all the time, mm-hmm. with, and it's like it's interesting because like you you stir it and you can like you kind of like move it out of the way and you can like see things like really like swimming through it and like what does that ice bath process do? Um, yeah. So essentially, the only purpose of the ice is to keep it cold. Okay. Um, that's its literal only purpose. So it's not necessary to the extraction process if you have 
you know, frozen water and like not frozen water, but really cold water that it could freeze. Mm-hmm. Like that's just fine. You don't need ice. Um, so that's, we can remove that if you want to. The water's purpose is to create vortexes um, and essentially that'll shear off the head okay. of the trichome. So if you look at a trichome, um, essentially you're going to have a stalk, you're going to have a neck that connects the stalk to the head, and then you're going to have a bulbous spherical um, trichome head. I'll mm-hmm. put a picture right here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. um, and essentially we're knocking the trichome head off of the stalk and the, uh, uh, the neck and removing that completely. And we want to do that as gently as possible because we don't want to um, remove the stock, obviously, because there's there's nothing in there. Um, it's just a vessel f- to flow nutrients or cannabinoids or anything that the trichome needs. Um, so it's, it's not necessary to the extraction process. Wow. It's a contamination in my eyes. Um, same with plant material. Like I don't want to rough up the plant material and end up having really small microscopic um, specs of plant that end right. up in my final product that'll make it look gross or it'll add a different flavor to it or whatever I don't want it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a purpose is to create the vortexes to rip off the heads while also keeping the heads cold. So trichomes, there's nine different types of trichomes. Um, only one of those trichomes has the proper type of structure between the neck and the stalk and the head mm-hmm. to actually make it easy to uh, remove essentially um so that's that's something that you also have to kind of keep in mind if you want to get into solventless extraction is like not all weed will wash what like wash well or just wash at all like it won't some won't wash at all like my my lowest yield was 0.15 percent whoa yeah off of like how many like so off of a thousand grams like that So uh, yeah, off of off of a hundred oh grams, God. I would get 0.15 of a gram. So oh off of a thousand grams, I would get one point five grams. That's crazy. Dude. Yeah, it's it's insane <laughs> numbers. So like, that's crazy. There's also a reason why solventless is an expensive product because there's right. a lot of R and D. There's a lot of loss there. Like I, I've lost nine thousand dollars in one run. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not cheap to fuck up. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's a good point too. And like when you're doing it on that level, you can't mm. fuck it up. Like yeah. you got to have your recipes down and your your even, processes. Even you can have your rep- like if you go look at my numbers, bro. I'm really consistent with the stuff that I do, mm-hmm. and uh, it, you can have your processes down. And if you don't have a plant that has the correct type of trichome, you're you're still shit out of luck. Yeah, it's not gonna yield. Yeah, damn, dude. So then, um, taking that material that you gained from the ice bath mm. you strain that out yeah i strain that out through the micron specific bags yep. so i collect i'm not going to give you like my recipe but right of course there's a, there's a range of microns that i'll collect um that i view as ripe good proper size they're going to give me good color they're going to give me good flavor mm-hmm. um the yield's going to be good because they're not underripe or overripe and they Think of like a cherry. If you go overripe, they'll start to shrink and like shrivel. Yeah. Um. So you'll lose your yield there, but you'll still have like the skin that'll weigh. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's the micron sizes that I'll collect. Then I'll throw that in my freeze dryer. My freeze dryer will create sublimation. So essentially, I can remove water at like I think it's like ten degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Um. And it'll, it'll turn water from an ice to a gas without affecting the the trichomes at all because obviously i want them to be cold still Mm -hmm. if they get hot they'll pop or 
um, whatever may happen, they'll grease and stick together and it'll be hard to remove water from them at that point because they kind of become a coagulated um, substance. Mm-hmm. Um, after the, the hash is dry, I'll put them in micron specific bags that are smaller than anything that I extracted. Right. Um, usually by an entire range. So if I pulled a 25 bag, like I said, I'm doing a 15 bag. Right. Um, if I'm pulling a 45 micron, I'm doing like 37 micron or 25 micron to extract through because what will happen is I'm going to pop those trichome heads in that bag on a heated plate under pressure. Okay, and that's when the press comes into play. That's when the press comes into play. So it's a hydraulic press under pressure. You're going (laughs) to... Thanks, bro. It's a hydraulic press um, that's heated, and then I'll put the bag on parchment paper in between the two plates. So they'll squish the bag, and what will happen is the trichome heads will pop. The the oils from inside that trichome will ooze out, you know, that'll give you the rosin is what we That's call the, it. Yeah, the golden the waterfalls. Yeah, we're going to put that video right here. You have a lot of them that <laughs> oh, are yeah. so deliciously. Yeah, they're, they're fun to make. I love them. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so you're removing the cannabinoids, the flavonoids, the, the terpenes, all of that stuff, fats, lipids from inside the trichome membrane. Yeah. And then we're leaving that trichome membrane inside the bag. So that's why we still put it in a micron specific bag is because I want to remove essentially the last of the contamination that's left, which would be the, the skins of the trichome. Right. So they that bag will catch all of that, leaving us just with what we're looking for. And that's the purpose of the smaller micron level. Yes. Man, dude, this is so sick. I'm learning so much right now. And it's cool because like, I I like how you said, like, I'm not going to give you the recipe because like, that's like those things right there. That's when the, uh, the craft comes into play where it's just like different companies can use different micron levels and have their play around. You'll figure it out. Exactly. You find what works for you. And also I'm sure like in your case, like, you know, like, uh, cause do you use the exact same thing every time or do you switch it up sometimes depending on what you're using? Yeah. It depends. Well, yeah, it depends on what I'm using. Like if I'm going dried, cured material versus fresh frozen material. Right. Um, that'll definitely play a difference in what micron ranges I'm pulling. Mm-hmm. But I'm also, depending on what my end goal is with the product. Like if I want a full spectrum product, um, obviously I'm going to pull a wide range of things. If I want something that's going to be like exclusive or like I want to pull a certain flavor profile out of the plant. I'll do a, a specific micron. Wow, you could it, it gets out to that level. Yeah, so That's like crazy. when 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 I was telling you you get overripe, it starts shrinking and mm-hmm. shriveling. Essentially, you're you're losing different compounds in that trichome. So if it more than likely it's like terpenes off-gassing. Right. And then cannabinoids um, aging. So like you know, THC turning into C, uh, CBN stuff like that wow um so the molecular weights of the cannabinoids and the internals of that trichome will change Mm. um with that flavor will change like you know if i have one percent one percent one percent of these terpenes but this one only has 50 percent of this terpene or whatever Mm -hmm. of the original larger microns um you're gonna notice a difference well maybe if you're not experienced but if yeah. you're super experienced and you're looking for it yeah, you can definitely notice differences between 
smaller heads and larger heads. Absolutely. And and that's when it really starts to get into like the nitty gritty of like the craft, um, mm-hmm. because it's like when you're doing things with intention to pull certain things out of it for like exclusive drops or like exclusive batches that are like, you know, high top, top level. I think that's when it really comes down to like uh, that, that craft. And like, those are the, the people that are at the top of their game know how to do it on that level. You yeah, know what I mean? It takes a shit ton of R and D man. Like for sure. I work, like I said, Sunday to Sunday. So I'm always in the lab. We're doing different things in every single wash. I might have the same batch of um, one strain mm-hmm. that I'm starting with, but I might wash it four different ways. Wow. Collect it four different ways to see which one works out the best, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. And then we'll throw that into being the actual production recipe, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, and that all of that stuff is why these products are so expensive. Yep. Everybody that's like it's listening. And I mean, I'm sure anyone that's still listening right now, like they are interested in this conversation about like the process. And yeah. now you understand like why it costs what it costs because of the amount of, uh, you know, dedication and like specificity, like spec- I don't know, like trying to be specific, whatever specificity. that word is. Yeah, whatever the fuck that word is. Um, like of the process. Like it's very, very like. Oh yeah, I have, um, a, I have yeah. a crazy... Um, Q, uh, QC process. Quality, Quality control. control. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And, I've got uh, a really wild one. So I go and walk grows. Okay. Um, so I source all the material myself. I don't like have a team. I'm a one man team. So I, should, I guess I should throw that out there. I do everything myself from sourcing material to packaging, delivering, sales, all of it. Um, so I'll go walk grows. I'll walk with the head grower. They'll show me all the rooms I want to see, the strains I want to see. They'll let me walk down the aisles so I can see the entirety of the grow. Like you can have sections of the grow that have PM, you know, powdery mildew and stuff like that that are failing or dying or whatever it may be that look fine from the front of the room. But once you get into the nitty gritty, you see, you know, we got some issues. Maybe I don't want to use this material or whatever it may be. I'll talk with the head grower about their SOPs for their um, pest control control oh yeah mm-hmm. i'll talk to them about their nutrients mm-hmm. um, like there's certain nutrients i just won't even touch um, yeah they like if you are experienced enough and you've smoked weed from different growers each grow has a flavor for sure that like sits behind whatever the flavor of that strain is and that's usually based on the nutrients so there's nutrients that i won't touch um if you've got a weird wacky you know ipm schedule where you're spraying in flower too late or you're using you know pesticides or um fungicides that like i don't agree with or like the state might say okay but like on a real personal level when you look at what's in the ingredients like some of these things can't combust for sure what is ipm uh integrated pest management okay yeah so it's their sops that they follow to essentially prevent pests and mildews molds to be in their facility so they might not have a problem but they'll still spray the pesticides to make sure that they don't get a problem right and uh sop standard of practices guys yes um so yeah man i mean that it's it's interesting because like people that just are like casual smokers like would not think of these in-depth you know no regulated (laughs) market's crazy man yeah like you can't even really compare it to the black market you yeah. can on a quality scale because there's a lot of white market that don't care about the quality. They care about the dollar. Right. Um, versus there's a lot of people on the black market that care about the quality. So I'm not going to say like there's not good out there. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying like 
the regulations that we go through on a legal scale, yeah, there's night and day comparison to what you get on the black market. Absolutely. At that point, you're hoping that the person you're getting your stuff from has morals. Yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's crazy because even people that are like regulated are still finding ways to kind of like oh yeah absolutely shortcut like, and like we were talking about the test yeah. results earlier people, yeah people are shady you know yeah be vigilant but at least now we have paper trails yeah for you, sure you can figure it out if you really want to exactly and it's kind of like back to what we we're saying like with the uh the public knowledge um thing like that whole like that's going to change everything and it honestly might might just like wash some people out you know what i mean like yeah. people that are like um that are you know that haven't been so so honest i guess oh absolutely (laughs) i mean there's a lot of snakes in the grass for sure but yeah there's there's people out here that do it good too yeah and a lot of the people that i work with you know back them up all day long you know hell yeah man so um so um bubble hash Mm -hmm. um what is that so it's ice water extracted hash so So essentially before we press it out on the hydraulic press we leave it in its natural straight state which is just a trichome head okay so that's when it's in like the the dry uh the um when you put like 10 10 degrees fahrenheit like when you put it into that process that's bubble hash at that point yes okay yeah so the second that i take it from the water to the micron screens it's mm-hmm. going to be bubble hash okay um, and then freezing and drying it would be just dried bubble hash um the reason that they call it bubble hash was when you get to like the later washes, the saponins and terpenes and uh, trichome heads that have bursted and allowed the the oils to escape will make the water foamy. Mm, so it, bubble that's hash. Right. Bu- it's bubbling. Yeah, it's bubbling. Wow. Okay, and, cool. and, and they used to take it and if you like smoked it, um, depending on like what form you're talking about, like a traditional hash, mm-hmm. um, you can hold a lighter up to it and it'll bubble. Okay. Because it's melting. Yeah. Um, so depending on which which way you want to talk about it that's why they call it bubble hash yeah because i feel like that that term i've heard it so many times but i didn't really know what yeah, it was just ice water extracted okay hash. yeah some it's some good stuff then probably mm-hmm. if it's because if it's ice water extracted that's i mean like, you can get shitty ice water extracted, <laughs> yeah, so don't, about don't, the person that's extracting it probably more yeah. so like uh just starting material like i said fire and fire oh, yeah yeah that's right you could be a great extractor and you got shitty product and yep. it's going to turn out crap wow dude Dang, dude. <laughs> and you can be a shitty extractor with great product and be a good extractor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude. <laughs> There's people doing that too. You know, it's 2023. Everyone's a grower and extractor nowadays. So with the the rosin press to kind of like seal it up on the solventless process, mm-hmm. the uh, the way that you can achieve the best results is finding what works best with the micron levels. That's, yeah. That's so, basically the way that you get the best results. Yeah, definitely. Like there's certain strains that'll have larger trichomes. So the, the main main section of the yield will land in like the 90 120 range to mm-hmm. 159 um some strains will be on the lower end smaller trichomes and they'll be in the 45 or the 70 u mm. um so it, it just it's it's all genetic driven man it's yeah really crazy when you get into it in the deep dive yeah and you as you do it i'm sure you start to learn like what like without having to like do too much testing it's like you can test like maybe two three I different could go things touch a plant and figure out if it <laughs> will yield that's crazy bro yeah that's crazy just by looking at it and just touching it just touching it yeah just touching just it so i can it. see uh if i go touch a plant and i rub my fingers on uh, the nug uh-huh. and i got like a glove on like a black glove you you'll see the trichome heads if they're stable and they have a thick enough shell um and they'll feel like sand between your fingers you can play with them a little bit before they'll pop 
some strains, if you touch it, you look at your glove, there won't be anything on it but a wet puddle, and we'll call that a greasy strain. And that'll be usually like a strain that won't yield as high. But the terpene content's going to be really crazy. You might get some exotic, exotic flavors from it, but it also might not be worth even just going through the process because the yield will be so low. Right, so you're so, going to spend a lot. Yeah, I can touch a plant and essentially see that it'll yield or not. This is a true professional here, guys. <laughs> this is a true professional here, man. This is crazy. I mean, I didn't realize that... Uh, once you do it so much, you can, you could like, without even having to run it through the process, you already know what it's going to yield. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's going to yield, well, but like, I can, I can tell going if it's going to be even worth, worth, yeah, going running. into that direction of testing it out and washing it and putting it through the process. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I mean, and that, that and looking at the, the bud under a microscope, you can see okay. the trichomes. Like I was talking about the trichome head and it's got the stalk, the neck, and then mm -hmm. the trichome Looks like head. a little mushroom. Looks like a little mushroom, but you'll see like a, a weak spot between the stalk and the head. Okay. So That's it'll, it'll be a thinner neck than the actual stalk. So it's top heavy. Wow. So it's easy to break off. It's easy to break off when it's cold. Starting solventless, what were those early hurdles um, in the Arizona market that you needed to overcome uh, when starting your company? Licensing. Yeah money so i'm a single operator i got no investors fully funded myself you know took my life savings me and my girl were building a, a house down in casa grand when we were building out that grow that ended up failing um we pulled out took all the money that we used to essentially start building the house and we put it to the company and just ran with it here we mm -hmm. are two years later wow. um so yeah I, I own everything outright you know so that's a big plus a lot of these companies will go and take massive loans and they'll go on a massive scale which is cool like do your thing but you know everyone else is on the race to the bottom and i'm sitting here coasting yeah. so i'm good with it for sure yeah and i mean those are those are going to be early hurdles for anyone trying to get into the uh, yeah. legal space it's expensive, uh, it's expensive and you got to find the right license you got to find the right partner yeah. um and it's it's interesting because uh Although you run the business by yourself, you have people that you still need to be able to run the business. Mm -hmm. uh, well, like uh, like the licensing and um, like the locations, like you still need to be able to like be in locations that you can sell things to. So it's like you yeah. uh, you still need to be able to like make those sales as well and make those connections in the industry. Yeah, definitely. Uh, no, lots of networking, lots of uh, no days off, no nights off, fucking scrolling through Instagram when I should be paying attention to my loved ones or whatever it may be, just making connections was yeah. definitely kind of the building block that put me in the position to do what I do. Yeah. I, I think if you just wanted to do what I did with what I had at the time, you'd fail Yeah, if you didn't have the network. For sure, yeah. for sure. And also like the passion and confidence to keep going. I think mm. that's something big oh, with, I, with I you. I mean, I don't, you know? I wouldn't say the confidence, man. Like there's days where I'm like, fuck man, this is too much. You know, yeah, it is what it is, but that's, I think, just any entrepreneur for sure. You know, there's going to be the days where you want to quit and it feels like too much. Yeah. And then you have those days where you're like, damn, I am amazing. This is yeah, so we're sick. Killing it. We're yeah. Better than everyone. Fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. You have the waves, you know, it's just, it's yeah. just life. That's know? totally true, man. Um, yeah. So you talk about being solo operating and, um, I think that's very important part of this because it's, it's very quality control because mm -hmm. you're the only one touching the product. Yeah. Um, so I'm scared to let other people touch it. Right. And that's, that's something I want to talk about where it's just like the, the, um, the, the problem with, 
like working in the cannabis industry is like a lot of people get into it to make money and they like don't really have like the passion for it. So oh, yeah. it's like or finding they think someone that's going to be smoking all day long right. around the job. Right. Or just high it's going to be easy and yeah. laid back job where they're not going to be working hard. No, I'm fucking busting my ass, man. Exactly. So it's like trying to find people that are as passionate for your product as yeah, you absolutely. are is yeah. the hardest part. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think eventually, you know, you like once well, you scale up, you're going to have to, yeah. you know, 100%. obviously delegate some tasks. But like once you find those people, it's going to be like they need to be like 100 percent just follow exactly what you did yeah. to AT. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know no, what I mean? It's, it's so tough to find those people, man. Even like people that do have the passion, like they just can't take the direction or they don't have the eye right. for things like I'm super particular, man. Yeah. So it, it's it's tough to find that same kind of mentality for sure. Yeah. I mean, but that's like the reason why you stand out so much is because it's not just like trying to get it out as fast as you can. Trying oh, to, absolutely. You know what I mean? I mean, this, the one thing that I've said since I started the company was, you know, if I fail, I failed. At least I tried. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. And and that's like, that's something that's, uh, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs can take from that too, that, you know, if you if you don't start you'll never know if yep. it will you'll miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take wayne gretzky i think that was a wayne gretzky i have no idea but <laughs> it's something i live by hell yeah no that's it's a it's a very well-known quote and it's like 100 yeah. true mm-hmm. it's you'll miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take yep. and it's like if you do take some shots then you might realize what you're doing wrong and you fix your arm and yep. you know what i mean so yeah dude Learn i from uh, mistakes and just keep getting up exactly and and you've um you've had a lot of um i guess uh confidence boost and recognition when you've taken your concentrates to different competitions around mm-hmm. the united states absolutely um and you've won multiple awards for your concentrates yep. um taken first second thirds in multiple different places yep. um so it's like uh is that part of the process very necessary to scaling a um concentrate brand like is that part of like the networking yes i wouldn't say it's necessary i don't I don't think, you know, like it, it puts a good view on your company. I think it's more for me, I get to go compare myself to the rest. Mm. See where I really stand in the ranks. Yeah. So it gives me more drive, I guess. Totally. To keep going. For sure. Um, And to continue to push to be better if I lose or whatever it may be, you know. For sure, yeah, and that makes sense because it's almost like it gives you the, uh, like I said, I guess the, the confidence um, to to exactly. know like, oh, this is this is the shit, and they think so too. Yeah, and it's like people well, like my constituents, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and my colleagues, and they they voted me. Like it's all blind stuff that we do. Like I'm not going and putting my logo up and being like, oh, hey guys, come judge this competition. It, right. you know, let's win. You know, <laughs> exactly. it, I don't fuck when I won uh, third and second at the smoking jacket last year, the inaugural smoking jacket. I didn't know anyone. Mm. The only person I knew was uh, the dude that was hosting the competition. And that's only because he had a podcast that I followed and okay. he had a bunch of people that I respected on it. Yeah. So I joined his competition and I totally expected to lose, bro. Like I did not expect to place at all. I was just like, I want to meet these people. This yeah. is going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be cool. And ended up placing and that was really cool. Yeah, dude, that's like, it's so rewarding um, leaving that, I'm sure. Like, leaving that event, like, wow, like, yeah, no, I beat, took a shot. I beat people that I looked up to. Yeah, dude. That was that's, cool. That's sick, man. And it, like you said, it kind of like looks good on your company for like other oh, people, for sure. like later on when they see, like, oh, this is an award winning yeah. concentrate. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm 
I'm a small company. I'm a small batch. So like a lot of people haven't even heard of me, yeah. you know, like I'm in a few dispensaries. Yeah. Um, so like having that recognition, people like, oh no, this dude doesn't fuck around. Yeah. But really the people that us. know about you, they like fuck with you. Yeah. Like, anybody absolutely. that knows about you fucks with you. And that's, that's the cool part where it's just like, yeah. if they know about the product, then they're, they care about good product. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. I said, we're, we're the most expensive gram in the state i don't do sales on it because i can't afford to unfortunately but like my full belief is if you're going to get my product you're going to spend your hard-earned cash you should have a 10 out of 10 experience every time so i try to make sure that that happens yeah and i mean i guess um um we're not selling anything on here but where can they pick it up in the valley uh in the valley you can get it at all the jars debbie's mojave cannabis club locations all the health for lives uh true bliss kind meds and uh sticky saguaro and then down in tucson we are in earth's healing nice dude that's that's a pretty good amount i mean we got a good spread i mean we've got pretty much the whole valley um you know i just don't have the north side unfortunately yeah scottsdale two places i'm not in but i I think uh jars has a cave creek location that's close to scottsdale that'll be nice yeah yeah so you're just kind of going around like the the borders of the valley yeah i mean i haven't even done a sales run like trying to get into new shops and probably almost a year. I just haven't had time yeah. trying to do everything else by myself. So yeah, I'd probably get kicking on that here soon. Yeah. I mean, but you're too busy like honing in on the process and like figuring out, like making the best product that you can. Oh, so that by the time you go into these shops, it's just like, yeah, already so much better than it was a year ago. Yeah. That that's amazing, man. And it's, it shows like just in these conversations that we're having, like how much passion you have in the product, man. And Appreciate it. of course, man, no, it's, it's something that I'm sure a lot of people can see that, um, when they just talk to you about oh, it. Oh, for sure. Um, I'll talk about weed all day long. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Dude. Um, so, um, we, we briefly talked about this earlier. Um, I think, I don't know if it was on when we were on tape, but, um, smoking hash and smoking oils the wrong way and um you know high temperature versus low temperature um like uh titanium versus glass you know things like that yeah um so what is the best way to do it I, i think that's all up to opinion honestly okay um my eyes you know my favorite way to smoke is a terp slurper um what is that a terp slurper is a a type of quartz nail that was designed by um what the fuck is toro glass okay yeah toro glass is Is that local no they're out of either norcal or oregon i believe okay okay um but they they make quartz and um nails slurpers blenders they're all different types of styles of nails essentially um and then they they make like rigs and bongs and stuff too. Okay. Like they started with rigs and bongs and then moved to the quartz. So using the quartz and then doing a, you heat it up first and do you get it up to a certain temperature? Do you like yeah. check it or like do you know like what? I have a, a IR reader that's uh, 3D printed by some dude that like designed it to read nails essentially. So it'll bring the IR um, reader up to the, essentially the, the edge of the glass or the quartz. Uh-huh. And it'll read it directly off of that quartz, and it'll tell you what temperature you're at. Um, what is IR? IR, uh, fuck, I don't even know. 
but it's a think of those like little handheld temperature guns where oh, okay. like you read like oh like the, like a laser yeah with the lasers oh yeah, hell yeah. So, so those are called ir readers i don't know okay. what it stands for but um yeah they're and for i think infrared. it's infrared yeah, yeah infrared that probably makes stupid you smoked a little hash before this. Yeah, it is what it is. We got there. You're, you're joining the journey with us. <laughs> so uh, what is the temperature that you're looking for then? So on my slurper, I like to go in at about 515 to 530 okay. um, degrees Fahrenheit. When you drop it in? When I drop my dab in. Obviously, there's also different um, things that'll play into that, like the size of the dab. Mm-hmm. If you go in too small, that might be too hot. Okay. I take a larger size dab. So the dab, think of like pouring water on a hot pan or something like that. You're super cooling the pan really fast because the, the product you're putting on it is colder and is absorbing the heat from the nail. So if I take a hotter dab with a larger or a larger dab with a, a little warmer nail, it's going to melt really fast and it's going to super cool that nail. So if you take in too small of a dab on a warm nail, there's not going to be enough surface area that that dab covers to actually cool the nail. Yeah. So you'll get like a hotter experience. So make sure like your dab to fucking temperature ratio is proper. Yeah. That's super important. Um, But yeah, just learn your nail. You'll you'll go through some trials and tribulations, but anywhere from like 480 to like 530 is a good range. Absolutely. And any any layman people that don't know what uh, you said, talk about when he says nail, um, like it's not like a hammer nail. It's actual like, yes, that part. That guy. Uh, so and you heat that with it. You heat that with a torch. Yes. And then you can read the temperature from there. Yeah, man. And um, that's uh, that's where people back in the days where we were kind of talking about like the red hot. Like yeah, that red hot nails. Because it'll red hot nails. Yeah, and red hot. that was like back in the day. I remember uh we had a homie um that's uh he would he would take like so many red hot dabs that the nail was just black. Yeah. Just caked. Yeah, you get black. Sometimes it'll catch fire. Yeah, ex- <laughs> literally. Literally, like, yeah, bro, like it wasn't good for you. Like man. just heating up the really, nail really hot shit air. catches fire. <laughs> just blow it out real quick, throw the dab. It's like, why did you just smoke? <laughs> yeah. No. It, yeah. Uneducated and, times. Yeah. And people like um and something that's real that I've actually um I didn't realize this in the past, but um People like burn the inside of yeah, their lungs because the capillaries. In yeah, the lungs, exactly. Yeah. They burn those capillaries. They literally singe them mm-hmm. when they smoke too hot. Yeah, it's interesting that like people don't even like think about that type of stuff. They just like want to get high. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. that's like we're past that. It's twenty twenty three, guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Like we said earlier, be conscious about your smoking, just as yeah. like as you are with your health. You, you know what I mean? Get like one lung. Yeah, one set of lungs. You can't fucking get new lungs, man. That's a good especially like if you are a smoker, man. That like immediately kicks you off the fucking list. Yeah, you're not gonna get a new like. Take care of yourself, man. For sure, be responsible. Yeah, especially anyone that's still young listening to this stuff because it's like as you get older, it's gonna be harder for you to recover. Yeah. Um. So you could you could do some damage that's irreparable. You Um, don't even know it until twenty years down the line. Yeah. Exactly. And then. Then you, it's hard to trace back to because you just you, you already done the damage. Yep. We we kind of dabbled on this, but um, just like the importance of knowing um, where your product is coming from. Oh, absolutely, get to know your farmer, get to know your extractor. Yeah, like absolutely. if you're smoking concentrates. Yeah. Um, 
Like if you reach out to me, I run my Instagram. Obviously, I'm a one man team, so you're going to be talking with the person that makes your product. You know? Yeah. So get a, get into hold of your companies. Like you'll have reps that might not be the extractor, but they can answer whatever questions you might be having about the processes. And stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So if there's something that a lot you of these find companies you are like, trying to be you know transparent in some way aspect. Absolutely. Like because I'm sure a lot of people have questions that um that they just don't know where to start. Um. Especially, I think uh, older people that um, like Google's also your friend for sure. Yeah, very <laughs> don't, much. Don't hit me up with stupid questions. <laughs> Not that they're stupid, but like if you can do a Google search and like figure it out yourself, please do that yeah. first. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me a question. You can answer yourself, please. Yeah. <laughs> very good point. Very good point. <laughs> um, so one last thing I want to get into, man. Um, you recently became a dad for the very first time. Yep. Congratulations, Thank by you. the way, man. Of course. It. Um, shout out Cammy. <laughs> yes, dude. Cammy gave me a job at the Good Dispensary. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Cammy. <laughs> That's how I met Alex. So yes, yes uh, it's it's beautiful, full circle. But yes, um, yes, what I wanted to talk about is um, when you found out that you were going to have a daughter, mm-hmm. did that light a fire fire under you to scale the company faster? No. I didn't? No. I mean, um, like I want to say yes, but there's only so much that I can do yeah. at this point. And money is my big um, bottleneck. Yeah. So it just is what it is. Yeah, for sure. Because I know, obviously, having a kid comes with a lot of phantom costs. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. it's like things that you wouldn't think about until you actually have the kid. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that that's probably put some pressure on you as mm-hmm. a business owner, oh, especially sure. being a solo entrepreneur. Yeah, making sure sales still come in. But yeah. no, it, there, there's not really too much I can do about scaling until I, I just keep saving money to Absolutely. do so. And that's also the beauty of like having a partner that's willing to be a partner in this oh, yeah. business with you. I wouldn't and, like, be around if it wasn't for Cammy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Solid unless would have failed. Yeah, so, man. No, it's it's a beautiful she's company. A glue. Yeah, for sure, yeah. man. You guys, you guys, you guys work well together, and you've, sure. you've been working together since the good dispensary. So it's like you guys have had this connection for a long time. Yep. So it's beautiful to see you guys scale it into what it is today. Appreciate it, um, of course, man. And um, I guess something I didn't talk about um, that um, the so you have solventless refinery, and then you also started solvent refinery yeah. as well, and that's just your solvent extraction. Yeah, solvent based extraction. So again solventless is not like it's a niche market so yeah you know we're expensive not everyone can afford to have us not everyone cares to have us you know like some people like you said just want to buy the five ten dollar thing and get on with their day and just mm-hmm. get high but if you're looking for experience if you're looking for terpenes think of it like we were talking about earlier off air was uh wines and stuff like that like mm-hmm. you, know, you got your wines you got your small batch beers you got your small batch you know bourbons and spirits and things like that like you're going to spend more because of that experience and the flavors and the things that you're going to get out of that product versus just I got high mm-hmm. yeah, getting high. There's so much to getting high. So the solvent know? refinery is more for the BHO. average user. Yeah. So like we, we couldn't keep going just on a solventless based extraction company. The bills were high. Right. Product wasn't moving fast, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's expensive. So started um, solvent, uh, solvent refinery and that's our, butane extraction um it's mostly the same material from the same farms that we work with on the solventless basis it's just all of their stuff that doesn't yield in a solventless mm-hmm. so instead of them losing money us losing money we figured out a way to you know do a butane extraction sell that kind of 
keep the money flowing that way. Yeah. Um, I also am coming out with an edible line called Sugar Refinery. Um, that'll be dropping in the next month or two, hopefully. Um, I'm not going to say what it is, but it's baked goods, solventless. Okay. Solventless baked goods. They're vegan, um, dairy-free, uh, gluten-free, all the all the freeze, but they're really, really good. <laughs> all the freeze. Really, Except really, for the cost. really good. Super addicting. 10 milligram, you know, like bite size. Amazing. Baked goods. It's going to be really cool. It'll be the first of its kind in Arizona. So Dude. I'm excited about it. Especially because you're using the solventless product. Yeah. I think that's going to be cool. Yeah. Like yeah, it's gonna I, be some potent stuff. My food grade rosin isn't like boo boo. I've shared the test results. It's got like seven percent terpenes and like you know super potent, delicious. It looks good. Um, it pairs really well with the baked good. You know, you can taste it a little bit. So it's really cool. Hell yeah! Super man. excited about that. So keep an eye out, sugar refinery here in the next month or two. Absolutely. Now, this has been a great interview, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you for having me. Martians, go follow this man at Solventless Refinery on Solventless Instagram. Refinery. Um, and then follow Solvent Refinery. Um, just follow them all over the place. And do you have a website as well that you... Uh, I do not have a website. Okay. So right now, just go to socials, hit them up. If you have any questions, hit them up. Like his videos, all that stuff. Um, check him out in the Valley. If you do live in Arizona, if you live in Phoenix, you know, go to those places that he named. Even if you visit. Pick yeah, if up. you visit, yeah, it's a recreational place. Go, go check it out. Go, um, yeah, go check him out. Um, but yeah, man, thank you again for coming, man. Thank you. Um, Martians, go follow me at On Mars Pod, and we'll see you next time. Love you guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in and watching this episode of the On Mars Pod and for sticking around to the end, man. I really appreciate you guys. You are the real Martians. Like this video, comment below what your favorite part was, what was most inspiring to you. Subscribe to the channel, hit that bell for notifications here on future interviews coming out soon. And also follow us on Instagram at On Mars Pod. Love you guys so much. We'll see you next time on Mars. You're a little soft spoken. I am. I am. I, but it's I don't okay. have a loud voice at it's all. It's okay. That's fine. That's why we have volume knobs. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs>